Welcome to the DealMakers Podcast, sponsored by DealMakers Institute. This podcast is dedicated to exploring and uncovering exciting deal-making truths with those who are making it happen every day. You'll discover ways to leverage and profit from every aspect of the deal-making pipeline, from acquisition to exit. And now, the founder of Ribbon Equity and one of the leaders at DealMakers Institute, your host, Ben Lijon. Hello, welcome to DealMakers. Uh, I'm your host, Ben Lijon. Uh, today, I'll be speaking to Ace Chapman. Ace has been actively involved in mergers and acquisitions for close to 20 years now. He was one of the pioneers in online mergers and acquisitions and has acquired a plethora of traditional offline businesses throughout the years. I'm happy to discuss the dynamics of our current market and why now and more than ever is a good time to explore traditional offline mergers and acquisitions, as well as the current outlook of online businesses. Uh, Ace, um, I'm happy to uh, talk to you today. Uh, if I miss anything in the brief introduction, uh, can you please fill in? Yeah, no, that was a great intro. You know, when it comes to uh, to doing these kinds of deals, the thing that's exciting for me uh, is, you know, obviously when I started, it was early on and there wasn't a group of folks or uh, really anybody to talk to about buying, buying and selling these smaller businesses. And so to number one, have people actually interested in uh, talking and discussing this and number two, to actually have a, a community that's built up around this is, is the most fun for, for me after going for, for many years without, when I told people what I did for a living, they would look at me cross-eyed. So excited to talk to you. Awesome. Great. And let's, uh, let's dive into uh, their early years. Uh, can you give us an idea of what originally sparked your interest in micro mergers and acquisitions? Yeah. So it wasn't an interest in, um, in, in micro private equity. My interest originally was just uh, generating income. <laughs> and so, you know, with my very first deal, which was just uh, a happenstance, it was something that was kind of uh, a luck of the draw. I was a customer of that business. And as a customer of the business, they, um, I saw that they just were doing a very bad job of running the business. And, and so I reached out to just become an intern with them. And in reaching out to become an intern, uh, I found out they really just wanted to sell the business. So when they told me they wanted to sell and you know, if I knew somebody that might wanna buy it to uh, let them know, it got my curiosity going. And you know, I was, I was just thinking to myself like, man, this is interesting to sell. I love the business just from the perspective of being a, uh, a user and a member. And so I was curious how much money they were making and all that. And so I'm like, okay, great. Like maybe I'll find somebody that wants to buy you guys. Tell me about the price, what you want to sell it for. Uh, tell me about the income and, and how that's been going. And the business was making about 60,000 and uh, they were only asking 70. And I knew nothing about buying a business, nothing about multiples, had never heard of multiples nothing about, uh, you know, coming up with uh, uh, evaluation. And the cool thing for me was that I was in a school where people were paying $120,000 to go to school. And I had friends that were graduating and they were coming out with a job making 40. 
And that became my comparable. And so I'm like, okay, you know, if people are paying, if I'm already paying 120, and you know, I was on scholarship, fortunately, but if this education costs 120, and I'm gonna get one of these jobs getting out of here, uh, this has to be a really good deal. But the problem at that point was that I had, you know, three thousand dollars saved up for from working the year before, and after kind of going through the process and and trying to figure out where I could get that money from, I realized like I have no idea where I could get this money from. And you know, I, I was really at that point tempted to walk away, but it kept bugging me and eating at me. And after a while, you know, I, I decided to reach out to a buddy of mine and who, who came for money. He was willing to put in fifteen thousand, and I went back to the sellers, they were on the finance half of it. And then I, I put together the rest from, from some credit cards. And that was kind of my entry into this uh, micro private equity world. Wow, that, that, that's great. Um, and given that, uh, let's fast forward to today and, and our current environment. Um, as you know, there's, it's estimated that over uh, $10 trillion uh, will be either transferred or lost uh, due to uh, aging business owners. Um, so in your opinion, uh, why do you think now is, a uh, is the best time for micro, uh, private equity firms, um, either online or traditional offline? So I, I think that right now is, is one of those unique times in history, um, because for the, the first time we're, fi- we're facing something that literally, the whole world is um, is facing, and you know when you look at opportunities, uh, you know, and obviously this will be something that people listen to all over the world. Like there have been times where there are really unique opportunities in the U.S., and then other times when there may be a really unique opportunity in Europe or in Asia. And this is the first time that literally, no matter where you're you are in the world. Um, COVID and, and Corona's had some impact. And what that means for us, which is a, a really cool uh, opportunity on the, on the upside of, of all of this that's happened this year, is it, there are a lot more people that understand, even if their business wasn't directly affected, they understand the delicacy of uh, being in business and having a business that's working and generating profit and, and making money. And so uh, there's been a shift in the, in the paradigm of business ownership. That's what's, the, what's powerful. You know, it's, it's not just, oh, okay, there's a lot of businesses that are gonna go out of business and they, they have assets. Obviously all that's the case. There are a lot of businesses that are gonna go out of business. There are a lot of those businesses that have assets and, um, you know, things that even without the business operating that you can go in and, and take over. There's obviously opportunity to go in and, and restart that business uh, or buy it as, it's, as the owners were ready to walk away and just get a no money down deal. All of that is, is definitely the case. But I think the bigger thing is um, at, for every business owner, there's a paradigm shift of, okay, all of this could slip away in a moment. And, you know, I, I know just personally, there would be times where I was talking to a business owner and the business owner would uh, kind of say, ah, you know, maybe I'll, I'll sell next year. Maybe I'll sell again the next year. Uh, maybe I'll wait till next year. And it's kind of this endless thing. 
And in a lot of cases, those businesses will slowly die. But I, I think when you have this abrupt end to uh, a lot of businesses, I think we are now, as I, as I talk to business owners, as I hear uh, clients that are, are talking to business owners, uh, whether they realize it or not, it's like the uh, environment and the psyche around selling a business has created uh, a lot more motivated sellers than we, we've seen ever before. And so I think for those folks that are looking at buying a business, you know, this is the time because, you know, maybe five years from now that things have calmed down, it's a little bit different, people tend to forget, and that attitude shifts back to what it was five years ago. Absolutely. And in addition to that, um, right now, uh, we're in an unprecedented time in the industry where interest rates are near zero. Uh, there's been massive influx of liquidity in the market um, and uncertainty to revenue streams. So can you walk me through mm -hmm. your methodologies of um, making sure you're pricing your deals accordingly? The, the really great thing, and, you know, I think it's cool. I, I was just talking to uh, a guy who's in investment banking in, in Dubai uh, today, and I know you're in investment banking. And it's, it's so funny as I, as I talk to people that look at this space, uh, I, I think about Brett, who, who's one of our, our clients that uh, went through the program years ago and was uh, working at, at Goldman Sachs. And the, the, the interesting thing in this place, in this space, is what's more, uh, or I guess the, the first thing is understanding that we're buying things that are two to three multiple. And so when you compare that to uh, traditional, um, uh, traditional private equity, you know, they're literally buying it at a seven, eight, nine multiple, sometimes higher. And, and so when you compare those two, when we get people from like the traditional, it's like, what in the world? This is crazy. I got to buy some of these things. Like, this is outrageous. And for me, what's funny is, you know, I mentioned that first deal where the, it was making $60,000 a year and they sold it for $70,000. And, you know, in that case, it's just literally slightly above a one multiple. Um, now, at that point, over the course of those 10 years, when things, and, and it's also interesting, we didn't even call it a one multiple. We called it a, a 12 or 13 multiple because the multiples were so low that we measured them in months. And you'll still see this is the case with a lot of uh, internet deals and brokers that have been around for a long time. They still measure it in months. That came from the fact that you could literally buy a six multiple deal, which you know traditionally would be a 0.5. But instead of calling it 0.5, you know, there were these deals that it was rare for a deal to be over one. So the you're starting at that foundation, which is you can buy things at such a low multiple that the real focus becomes, you know, how strong a business is this? And the second focus becomes, how can I grow this? And if you're you're getting into the business. It, you know, I, this is one of the things that I'm always preaching to clients is it's not that we're buying these assets and 
we're trying to sit back and collect money off of them. We're buying these assets because they're a springboard. They're a platform. Um, and so the, the more important analysis becomes, how do I use this to, as a platform to start more, more businesses? Basically like you're getting to jump into a race that is already where you already have a head start. So while everybody else is starting from the finish line, they're at the finish line and you're halfway around the track and they shoot the gun and it's like, okay, off to the races. But that doesn't mean you just walk. It's like, oh, I'm already ahead by half the track. So, you know, I'm going to focus my time on analysis and, you know, what we call analysis paralysis and, and, and you know, just trying to figure things out and, and all that. It's like, no, like, hey, like, this is a race. Like, this is, it's time to run. It's time to go. Like, it's time to take action um, because that, that you've gotten the benefit of that of that head start. And, and part of the biggest downside is that most people that do come into this space, they jump, jump on the, uh, they kind of jump into the race and, um, and they start walking because it's like, okay, well, let me make sure is this okay, which is like against the entrepreneurial spirit. And so it's more about combining those two things. Um, the reason that when you're looking at a traditional private equity um, type of, and, and it's really interesting. Like when I think about those past uh, clients that, that, that came from, from that world, you know, what they end up doing is they, they end up taking action really quickly because the, they just see it. They see, oh man, like, okay, what's the downside risk? What's the upside? Yeah, you know, the ROI, like there's not a lot. And, and obviously coming from a very analytical background, it's like, there's just, there, the, there's so much froth in this that it's, it's more about taking action and snowballing the income than it is about uh, trying to spend a ton of time with, with analysis. The reason from traditional private equity that the most important thing is analysis is a few things. Number one, it, it, it is, it's the opposite. It is, a, you are focused on buying a business where the goal is just to have it kick off uh, income, you know, decrease some expenses. You're not using that as a platform or a launch pad to entrepreneurially start a bunch of other businesses or start a bunch of other income streams or create other, <clears throat> create other assets. Your goal is, is very simple. Your goal is we want to find something that uh, we analyzed to a point that it is almost just guaranteed that it's just going to, it's going to give us this 10% return over the, the course of these uh, 10 years. Uh, so we can, we can pay it off and give our investors a little bit of return. And, and so since you're buying at that eight, nine, 10 multiple, but the idea is that you're buying something that will just kind of stick around and be around and, and gonna, gonna make money. The second reason that you have to analyze that point is that there are a bunch of other highly sophisticated uh, private equity uh, guys who are also anal uh, analyzing that deal and coming up with how they can pay a little bit more with the right uh, deal structure. And so it becomes this balancing act. It's a balancing act between on one end, getting maximizing the, the return and on the other end, making sure you're not taking too much risk. So you, you wanna make sure that you've got a deal 
juncture where you can win the deal, but you don't want to win the deal to the point where you don't make money. And then you don't want to win the deal to the point where you're taking too much risk. And so it's it's a it's a, a definitely very important for those deals to spend a ton of time analyzing. For these types of deals, the analysis is more future focused. So you're focused on what can I do with this asset um, that's gonna get that's gonna allow me to start halfway around the track before the gun is is uh, shot. Absolutely. Um... Absolutely. I think that leads to my next question. Um, uh, as we speak about uh, the bigger private equity firms and even bigger players such as Red Venture and uh, Thrasio entering the space and acquiring businesses at higher than market multiples, um, where do you see the quality of deals in terms of the, the micro deals um, between one to $10 million of EBITDA, where do you see the quality of deals heading, given that um, uh, an owner that wants to sell, right? Uh, they know there's bigger players out there that are, that are willing to uh, pay higher multiple. Yeah, multiples are going up 100%. Um, I think, you know, that, that should be the, the other part of this that creates urgency for people. And again, I think it is important to distinguish between offline deals and, and internet deals. So when you're talking about Thrasio and, and those guys, we're specifically, we're, we're, we're not talking about offline because that market and, and some of the things I said before applied to offline. This is specifically for online. Uh, and when it comes to these, to online businesses, um, you know, like I, I get calls from, from, from these firms, like they're trying to figure out how do we get into this place and they can't believe that a, a deal is sitting on the market that uh, is for sale for three multiple. It's just outrageous. So they're just coming in. It's like, yeah, we'll just take it. <laughs> you know, like no, like kind of what I said before, like not a bunch of analysis, not a bunch of this. Like, yo, like yeah, we'll take three. Like we'll, we'll go to four multiple. You know, what I mean, like that. That's like a fifty percent discount for uh, a lot of these guys, and so. Um, you know, like I said, I, when I started, things were, were normally selling for below a one multiple when, uh, which I didn't even know this when I, when I bought my first deal and it was a, a 12 monthly multiple, I didn't know that they were, they felt like they were getting over on me. That's why they were willing to finance it and all that. Cause a lot of deals at that point were selling a six or seven monthly. So, you know, I'm thinking like, man, this is the greatest deal ever. Once I got really got into the space, I didn't know what I was doing. I realized like, oh, wow. <laughs> but fortunately, I used that deal as a, as a launch pad. You know, when I bought it, I had 10,000 members uh, by the time that it, it did end up dying. But I made way more than my money back. And, you know, we had 200,000, over 200,000 uh, members that we were able to sell at that point to Ameritrade, which was later bought by TD. So um the the idea behind a lot of these bigger firms that are coming in and, and, and are going to be in this space on one end it's gonna uh, definitely drive up multiples but i think on the other end we have an opportunity right now 
before they're figuring out how to, to play in this space to still get these uh, get these deals. And, you know, again, you know, I talked about the, the my, my friend who is in Dubai, I'm like, he, he doesn't know anything about the space yet. Came across a deal, it's like a $9,000 deal. It's like, all right, I'm, I'm gonna buy this. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not, uh, it's, it, like, let me figure it out by taking action. And I think that's probably the biggest lesson for folks is, you know, whatever your your, your level is, you know, maybe your comfort level is 9,000. And that's one of the exciting things about uh, the internet deals is that you can get in in a small way. And, and so, you know, when people join our, our DealMakers program, that's what we're pushing them. We're, we're giving them all the tools so they, they can make smart decisions that are in line with their, um, their financial capacity. But at whatever level your financial capacity is, the important thing is, is taking uh, action and starting to learn uh, for, for two reasons. Number one, uh, the quicker you start to learn, the more you're going to benefit from, from the space. Uh, and, and number two, the tide is rising. And, you know, as, as we all have heard the saying, you know, rising tide raises all boats. Um, by getting into deals as these multiples are, are going up, um, that's, that's been one of the things that I've been benefited from over the years is just, you know, no uh, uh, fault of mine, <laughs> or, you know, wasn't my talent in, in some of these cases where it's just like, now, nah, like, you know, I was buying deals at a one multiple, and then I was buying deals at a one and a half multiple, then I was buying deals at a two multiple, and, you know, so as this is going up, like that one multiple is now, even if I didn't grow it, is is more than double, triple. So that's, that's the, it, it, it's, it's definitely going to continue to rise. So um having deals that uh, you know make sense that you're going to use a platform that you're going to grow that becomes the first benefit uh of you know just like building wealth building like you know literally generational wealth is you know i start this with a platform it's got 10,000 members like the cool wall street deal and be 20x that now this business worth 20x that what it was we bought the deal we did the deal with um very little down and in that case 300,000 of my, my dollars were, were put into that business. And so uh, as we 20 exits, it becomes a, a 2000 X because the, the initial amount was so low. And so, um, you know, that's something you can still do today. Um, the, the, you know, other benefit is, you know, what we've been talking about as far as the uh, increase in multiples and now you, you, you know, double those, so with with all with this combination of, um, of of everything that's happening in the space, you mentioned the low interest rates, being able to access capital so that you can have little to no money uh, on the into the deal. Uh, all those things come together to create a really amazing environment for uh, buying and, and selling these deals. That's great. I, I completely agree, and uh, that leads me. Uh, that leads us to our next question, which is, um, can you spend some time explaining the micro mergers and acquisition uh, model and how do you plan to develop it over time? So it's funny because a lot of people, it, 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 we talk about the micro private equity or micro mergers and, and acquisitions. And it's it's just, it's the same. It's it, There's no, uh, there's no uh, additional, uh, 
um, kind of, uh, I guess, change from uh, buying and selling businesses. Uh, um, but I, I think the, the only uh, difference is that we do want to bring that skill set of how do we access capital and do deal structuring the, the right way. But, um, you know, micro role, role mergers and acquisitions, it's just literally buying and selling small businesses. Hey Ace, uh, follow on question. Can you talk more about the uh, merger agency model? Yeah, so this is something that that I love, and and it is it's a lot different from even merger acquisitions or a private equity model or, or any of these other things. It's um, we live in a world now where uh, businesses have to act like larger businesses. You know, we we come from a place where most businesses were small businesses, and everybody was an entrepreneur. You had the farmer, you had the, the shoe person, you had the goldsmith. You know, all of these these folks that they were entrepreneurs, and there were very very few big businesses. And, and now we live in a world where everyone's connected, everybody has uh, access to information and access to the, the same marketing tools you have, access to have things made in China. And it, it takes thinking like a international conglomerate in order to survive today. Um, you know, Apple wouldn't be what it is if they didn't acquire businesses. I actually have a, a friend of mine who sold his business to Apple and got to meet uh, very briefly, but did get to meet Steve Jobs. And it was very clear all the way up to the top that them acquiring businesses was a crucial part of what, what they did as a, as a company. It would not be what it is today if they weren't out there acquiring businesses. And Steve Jobs is, is, has famously said, you know, somewhere out there, there's a kid in the garage working on something that's going to put Apple out of business. I got to find him and buy the business before he does. And, you know, same thing with Mark Zuckerberg. We've seen it on a large scale uh, with uh, WhatsApp, with Instagram, with them wanting to take over Snapchat. And, and But what we don't see is the thousands of small little businesses that they're acquiring on a, on a constant basis. I say all that to say that if you are a small business, one a small business, one of the ways to ensure that you're going to be around for the long haul is to acquire your competitors and acquire businesses that are complementary to your business. Uh, by doing that, you kind of stay ahead of the game. So not only do you get the benefit of what we've talked about with um, um, the, the multiples and uh, getting the right financing and using those businesses as a platform, you get all those things, but now you're protecting your business from what is inevitable for every business out there who doesn't do this strategy, which is every business is going to go out of business. So as a, as a, as a, a merger agent, is, is kind of what I call it, or becoming and building a merger agency, you get to go out, connect with businesses, and help those businesses um, acquire their competitors, acquire complementary businesses, and you get a, a benefit of, uh, you know, getting equity in both businesses by helping them, getting paid for those transactions. And it's just a really great low-risk model to get into this space and start to take advantage 
of some of the the opportunities that that we've been talking about this whole podcast. Um, so it, it it just ends up being a major win for you and a major win because you're able to help these small businesses that right now could use all the help they can get. Thank you, Ace. It was great having you on the Dealmakers podcast, and we look forward to uh, having you on soon. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Dealmakers podcast. We hope you enjoyed diving deeper into our guest story and insights on dealmaking with our host, Ben John. Right now, there is a tremendous opportunity in the mergers and acquisition space for small and medium-sized enterprises, as it is estimated that in the next 20 years, over $10 trillion will be transferred or lost. To learn more on how to capitalize on this opportunity, visit dealmakersinstitute.com or maspecialist.com.